In a stadium rich with tradition. We have that here, and it reeks. And when you come in, teams take the field, they can feel it. The lights shine the brightest. Definitely playing at Camp Randall is one of the best places to play in college football. This is the Camp. Now, here's your host, Zach Heilprin, and the Athletics' Jesse Temple on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Yes, welcome into the camp here on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. I'm Zach Heilprin. He's Jesse Temple. Well, after getting uh, rained out last Thursday, the, the first day of practice we were supposed to be able to get to see, we did a, get, get into the Camp Randall Stadium for the first time in close to 20 months uh, on Saturday. And then again on Tuesday, it was a very, very interesting six hours. No, not six hours, four hours, four and a half hours or so, uh, as we got to see these guys for the first time in a long, long time. And uh, quite a few things stood out. But Jesse, let's just start with this. Three guys for you that have stood out to this point in the two practices that we've seen? Well, I'll start with A.J. Abbott. Anybody who's listening is obviously an avid fan and has probably been reading some of the practice reports. To me, he is a guy that needed to emerge. We've been talking about him for a couple of years, and he certainly has done that to this point. He's been the big play home run hitter in the, in the reps that he's gotten. And I think it's worth noting that Kendrick Pryor didn't practice on Saturday, which was the first practice that was open to us. And Pryor was limited on Tuesday. So it's not as though the guys who are getting reps in spring practice are, that's how many reps they're going to get in the fall. But he's taking advantage of his opportunities. And you go back to Saturday, he caught a 28-yard pass over the middle from from Graham Mertz. He caught a 15-yard touchdown pass in red zone drills from Danny Vandenboom. And he had the two two of the biggest plays on Tuesday. He had a about a 40-yard catch from Mertz down the middle, and then a, he got a 35-yard catch from, from Vandenboom. I think he's got the physicality. He's got the tools. We've been waiting for him to put it together. So he's one. We sat uh, near each other in the, the stands on Tuesday, and one guy that I was talking to you about that sort of surprised me was Quan Easterling, the fullback, who we haven't heard much from. And I will point out right at the top, they have almost no running back depth right now in the spring. It's it's almost uh, astounding, really. They only had three scholarship running backs to open spring to begin with, but Jalen Berger hurt his leg in practice Saturday. Julius Davis has been dealing with a leg injury. Isaac Arendo has a hamstring issue, which it looked like he tweaked on Tuesday. So they're really down to walk on Brady Shipper as the only running back, and then they've been using fullbacks John Chanel and Quan Easterling. But to me, Easterling looks like not your typical fullback and that he can do a lot of different things. He's very versatile. He could catch some passes out of the backfield, which he did. He looked very comfortable as a running back. He broke off a long run, went for 20-plus yards, burst up the hole, broke out to, to the sideline. So he's another guy. I think he could get some more opportunities this year, and who knows what that's going to look like when the with the running back picture. And then for a third guy, um, there are a couple guys that stood out to me. Hayden Rucci had a long catch, and, and you saw him put a, a linebacker on his back. I like TJ Bowlers. I don't think that means necessarily he's going to play this season, but there was one play in particular that stood out. He's 258 pounds. The, he, he was down the field 20 plus yards to help disrupt the pass that was intended for Clay Cundiff. And I just think it showed his athleticism and speed and the versatility that he has. So those are three guys, names that fans may not uh, have heard very much of lately uh, that stood out to me. Were there other guys that you caught your eye? No, I shouldn't have asked you that question first because you just took the three that I would have. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, the first two, yes, certainly A.J. Abbott. And I'm not saying that, I mean, what spring was that that he had a big spring? Him and Taj Musava had a big spring a couple of years ago when 
they were missing a whole bunch of guys and he, you know, he was one of the, one of the standouts when he came in early and it just hasn't, you know, for whatever reason, just has not uh, been able to put it all together. Got a bunch of playing time last year, probably out of necessity more so than, than have having earned it. But right now he's earning it. And that's what Paul Christ has said, right? You know, you don't, you, you earn your playing time in spring, you know, the, the depth charts and all that stuff that we see in the spring doesn't really matter a ton, but you earn your playing time uh, and you earn your role for the fall in the spring. And right now, AJ Abbott is certainly doing that. Quan recently, I think he just, he is just a smooth guy, right? I mean, he's just, he's smooth. He catches the ball with ease. So it really, really stood out. And the fact that he's getting so many carries and so many touches is obviously good for him and something that, you know, maybe we wouldn't have seen if they had all these guys healthy and they obviously don't. So, I mean, th- there is no program in the country that thinks of the fullback as sexy more so than Wisconsin. And, uh, you know, he's showing a little bit of that ability to put it all together and, you know, be more than just a guy that leads your tailback up the middle of the, you know, in a hole. Like he's, that's not going to be simply just what Wisconsin fullbacks do. And Quan looks like he has a chance to, you know, continue that legacy on, you know, I, a couple of guys that made plays in that first, that first, uh, practice that we saw John Torchio had a pick six. We also saw Preston Zachman who moved from linebacker back to safety, almost uh, come up with a pick. And instead, just knock the ball away on perfect coverage on a deep out. Those are guys that, you know, kind of have, you know, there's been flashes, I guess is what I would say. And that's kind of what, what you can only expect when you've only seen two practices. Right. And the thing to remember is, first of all, it's, it's spring practice. So it's not like everybody's getting hit. You kind of get thudded up and then the play continues. The quarterbacks can't get hit. There's a lot of situations. And even some of the guys that we were talking about where, let's say Quan Easterling, for example, the long run that he broke off in a real game or a real situation, would someone have tackled him after three yards? We don't know because they kind of have to hold up and then he winds up breaking it out for 20 plus yards. But it does give you a glimpse of who's playing where, who's got some potential. And I'm glad you mentioned Preston Zachman because I think he's got some upside there in the, as, in the secondary as a safety. He came in as a linebacker, but if you look at what he did in high school, He basically played every position on the field. He was a safety, a cornerback, a linebacker. He was quarterback, wide receiver. So there's some natural versatility there in athleticism. And I thought he did show that on a play that he broke up. But it's just sort of bits and pieces at this point. One guy might have one good play, like the one I mentioned with TJ Bowlers. Again, doesn't necessarily mean he's going to break into the rotation because we've talked to Bobby April and he's got a a pretty good idea of of who he likes there. And Bowler still has a ways to go, but it has been good just to watch because we didn't get to see anything for 20 months through two practices. And so this ain't going to be fair, but three guys that you're a little concerned about. Okay. Well, (laughs) concern for me is they are not playing and they need to be out there. And so it's not like it's their fault. They didn't mean to get hurt or they didn't mean to, not be practicing. But one guy that stands out to me would be Isaiah Green May because a couple years ago, he was one of those surprise guys out of fall camp. He and Reggie Pearson were the two on defense that elevated themselves into starting roles. Green May started that first game and then he suffered a, a thumb injury and just wasn't able to get back there. And we haven't seen him really in that role since. He hasn't been practicing to this point. Bobby April didn't specifically say what the reasons were, but he's been out on the field in street clothes. So he's around the team. But that's a guy that you've been waiting for to take a step forward. He gained, I think it was 11 pounds uh, on the spring practice roster, which has been one thing that had been holding him back was he couldn't consistently gain weight, which is what you need to play the position. So that's a guy that stands out to me because when we talked to April, he said that going into the spring, he was looking for three guys to step up. Spencer Lytle, Aaron Witt, CJ Getz. He said that all three had. 
He did not mention Isaiah Green May. So that's one. Two to me is Julius Davis. Uh, he's got a leg injury. We have not been able to see him in practice. Another guy that when he came out of high school, people were very uh, high on and, and understandably so. He was fantastic as a junior at Menominee Falls, ran for over 1,700 yards, had some incredible highlight plays that made national news. They were viral videos, and he just hasn't been able to stay healthy since. He got hurt, barely played the next year, and had that core injury, a core surgery, his true freshman year. And Wisconsin needs desperately needs depth at running back. And since we're on the running backs, uh, I'm going to say Isaac Arendo. And I know there's more guys than these three, but they're the first three that come to my mind when you ask this question. Garendo, when we talked to him, said that he's been dealing with a hamstring injury off and on throughout his entire Wisconsin career. He had it uh, last spring. We saw him in the opener against Illinois. He was going to be one of the three running backs in the rotation alongside Garrett Groshek and Nikia Watson. And then he didn't play again the rest of the year because he was dealing with a hamstring injury. He said he felt like there were times when he could have come back, but they wanted to be smart. And he said this spring they've been trying to be smart with him. But as, as we saw on Tuesday, they, they put him in for a red zone drill. And at the end of the play, he came up limping. And when he walked back to about midfield where the players kind of stand behind the play, I saw Joe Rudolph walk up to him and kind of put his arm around him, put his, put his hands on his head, and I assume offer some type of words to, to console him. But you can tell how frustrated Garendo is because he has so much talent. He was the, the best wide receiver in the state of Indiana. They moved him to running back. He's got a lot of speed, a lot of versatility. But if he's not healthy, it's not going to matter. So those are the three that, that stand out to me. Is Brady Shipper getting carries? Obviously, certainly because of other guys being out. Can he be a contributor, though? Gary Brown, the new running backs coach, says that all four guys that are in camp can be contributors, but I guess I don't know what else I would expect him to say at this point. It's a possibility. I mean, if they don't have anybody else or they've only got one healthy running back besides him, then they're going to need somebody to go in there. I don't know if that means that they would put a fullback there. It's just a really hard question to answer because the other thing we need to remember is they have three running backs signed in this class. And at the time it sort of didn't make sense. He thought, well, is Jackson acre going to move to another position? And maybe that winds up coming to fruition down the, fr the road. But at this point, I think all three of them get a shot with loyal Crawford, Antoine Roberts, and then acre as well. And one of them to me could have a very good opportunity to contribute right away. So if any of those guys pick it up and fall, I wouldn't be surprised if they were ahead of shipper. There's a reason those guys were offered scholarships. I mean, I just think you're, it's problematic if, if Shipper is one of your regular running backs in the rotation, it's, I know that sounds like a knock on him, but this is a school that people talk about as running back you that have guys like we all know James White, Monet Ball, Melvin Gordon, Jonathan Taylor, some of the best running backs in the country. And right now they're just struggling to have enough guys to even use. Yes, they definitely are. All right. So let's run through some guys that people always seem to ask about, always want to know about it's the guys that are the highly recruited guys that, you know, maybe didn't play last year and, and now people want to see him. And uh, a guy that did obviously play a ton last year, that was Graham Mertz. But everyone wants to kind of know who is the real Graham Mertz. What kind of Graham Mertz are they going to get? Are they going to get the guy that was so good the first games or the guy that struggled the next three and then was kind of, uh, I'd say, average in the last two? What, uh, what have we seen from Graham Mertz to this point? For the most part, I think he's been accurate. I think he still has some issues where he overthrows guys. There was one play on Saturday where Danny Davis broke free down the, the seam and he overthrew him. Would have been a touchdown. I know there was another play where he overthrew his receiver on the left sideline out of bounds by several yards. But um, he's been consistent. And again, I want to point out that it's not like guys are knocking him to the ground. If they get close, they 
pull up and then the play sort of continues. But I think he's been largely what he needs to be. And I also think it's interesting since I don't know if we addressed this last time, but maybe we did just the, the fact that we didn't learn until after the season that he was dealing with a, an injury to his throwing shoulder, which probably impacted his ability during some of those games. And he didn't want to make that an excuse, but it, it's sort of as you evaluate what happened and you wonder why can't this guy complete what seemed to be fairly basic throws when he's such a good uh, quarterback for the most part, it started to make a little bit more sense. So if he's healthy, I think that contributes to it. So that's, that's kind of my takeaway so far, but it's sort of difficult just because of, of what I said about how spring practice works. No, it definitely is. I, I feel like he's been more accurate. Um, obviously the, the, the ones that you mentioned are certainly, they stand out, but I, I do feel like he's been more accurate than, than we saw during the season. But as you said, he's not getting hit. So maybe it's a little bit different. Obviously a lot of people thought that Logan Brown would be locked into that left tackle spot. First team. He's not obviously with uh, Tyler beach, moving them, him over to left tackle. Uh, he's uh, Logan Brown's running with the twos. What have we seen from him? Well, not a ton. I feel like on, on Tuesday, he, he left practice with an illness and came back, but Joe Rudolph made it pretty clear. And that's one thing I love about talking to Joe is if you ask him about a two deep, he's going to give you every single guy that's playing where I, I think the way it, it looks, I mean, he's put Tyler beach over there for a reason. I fully expect beach in fall to be the starting left tackle. Unless in the end, Rudolph feels like he doesn't have what he wants at right guard where Jack Nelson is getting the one reps, Michael Fertney's getting the twos. And there's a situation where maybe they go back to, what they had last year where Logan Bruss moves back inside and beaches at right tackle. But I feel like you only do that. If you think what you have at left tackle is good enough to, to be consistent. And that's what, what Rudy said about Logan is just that he does some things where you're like, wow, holy crap. This is what he told us. And then he said, then there's an inconsistency of play that you just can't afford to have. I feel like those are fairly strong words from Rudolph. And it, I know people are sort of disappointed when they see that, that Rudolph is talking about putting beach there instead of Brown with the ones because Logan was this five-star guy and people see that and they think he should be in all American right away. I think it'll come for him, but right now it just seems like beach is going to be the guy at that spot. Do you think they're going to, do you think what we've seen in spring so far are the, are the five, at least with the first team are going to be the five that we see for the first game in the fall? I still think that they're working that right side. So that they have flexibility come fall. Yeah. Again, what did uh, Joe say about Jack Nelson? Well, he said there's a physicality and explosiveness and a let it loose mentality that's infectious. And he's, he's pushing for that opportunity and he's got athleticism and he goes a million miles an hour, but there's also some technique and some fundamental things that he needs to clean up to be more consistent. And I think that's to be expected. And that's my, my, my biggest question too, is right guard. I think it does say something that he's got Nelson there right now. Nelson was a guy that uh, as a true, he played in two games last year and they all nine snaps. He played where at right tackle, but, He's got a lot of versatility when he played in the All-American Bowl a couple of years ago. He, he volunteered to play right guard, uh, coincidentally, because they had a shortage there. So got a lot of talent. There's a reason he's a four-star guy. There's a reason 24-7 Sports named him a five-star guy because he was so good at the All-Star game. But again, you've got some proven guys there with, with Beach and Bruss on the right side based on what we've seen. But that only matters if you have confidence in someone else at left tackle. One of the other big questions coming in was, you know, who's going to be that that next guy behind Jake Ferguson? We, we, obviously, guys have played a bunch. Uh, I should say a guy like Hayden Rucci's played a bunch. 
Jack Essenbach has played some. We've seen Clay Cundiff. We've seen some of the younger guys. Has anybody stood out to you at the tight end group? I know you mentioned Hayden Rucci before. Well, I think we sort of know what Hayden's role is going to be. Are we sure, Jesse? Are we sure we know what his role is going to be? Because I saw him beat the defense deep the other day. Yes, he did. Yeah. It was very impressive. It was a 30-plus yard pass. He caught it in stride. Showed a lot of a lot of good uh a lot of good wheels on that one. I, I don't necessarily see him emerging as the uh, next Jake Ferguson job extremely well. Most of his the plays that he was in last season were run blocking plays, and I think he was targeted like twice last year. And one of them wound up being an interception because it was tipped. It was in that game against Northwestern. The other the other tight ends to me, I think I think Jack Eskenbach is going to wind up being a guy that gets a lot of, a lot more reps. And Clay Cundiff is the other one. He's he's caught some good balls. There was one where. I think it was Chase Wolf threw it. It was in red zone drills. This was on Saturday and it was between multiple defenders and onto it and, and, and had a touchdown there. And he's somebody that can emerge as one of those pass catching guys. And he's 250 plus pounds. So he's a big dude, just like Rucci, but I think he's got a little bit of versatility. We haven't seen a ton of the young guys. There was a cam large sighting at, on pra- at practice on Tuesday, but the other guys are the ones that I, I think, are going to have the best opportunity to contribute at that position this season, at least. Yeah, no doubt. Um, when you, when you look on the defensive side of the ball, we haven't really talked a ton about it, but I mean, has anybody stood out to you on that side? That's harder to see. That's harder just because you don't necessarily see as many big defensive plays. And like I said, you don't necessarily know if someone recorded the tackle, it's much easier to see. Okay. Graham Mertz just threw a 35 yard pass to AJ Abbott. So off the top of my head, I can't say that there's anybody that has really stood out. I think to me, it's more interesting what some of the combinations are like who's, who's playing the outside linebacker spots, a defensive end, things like that. But a lot of the rotations right now have to do with who's not available. I mean, Noah Burks was going through the COVID-19 protocol and he was limited on Tuesday. So that elevated a lot of people. So now CJ gets is running with the ones opposite Nick Herbig. I mean, Herbig looks pretty darn good, but I think we knew that coming in and it's the same with the defensive line. You've got a lot of injuries. So Keanu, uh, Keanu Benton, Bryson Williams, we, we haven't seen they're dealing with injuries. So Gio Piaz is now the nose guard. I mean, is that going to happen in the season? I don't think so, but those are kind of the things that stand out to me. Are there other guys that, that you've noticed defensively? really haven't. As you mentioned, they're not tackling. And, you know, like the one-on-ones are, are fun to watch sometimes. You know, they get the offense when the offensive line's going against the defensive line. We've seen some really, really good moves. Saw Rodus Johnson uh, in watching those one-on-ones. He seems to be a guy that maybe, I don't want to say is figuring it out. We talked we talked to Ross Kalaji before we got to see practice, and he said he had a couple of unbelievable practices. And, you know, we haven't seen like big-time plays necessarily, but again, in those one-on-ones, he has been, and that you know, they don't have a lot of interior rushers that have shown the ability to do that. If he does, that that would be significant for them. I think the other um, interesting aspect of this of this spring has been the addition of those three new coaches. And we got the chance to talk with the new running backs coach, Gary Brown. You mentioned him before. Uh, interesting dude. Uh, has gone through a lot. Obviously battled cancer twice. Missed all of last year as he battled it. Uh, but is back healthy. And now says he wants to reestablish himself as a coach and Wisconsin was an opportunity who he could not pass up, but I, you know, how big of a get is that for them after, after talking to him, after listening to him and, you know, you wrote a story about the running backs, how big of a get is that for the, for Wisconsin? I think it's a big deal just because of how important the position is and how many great players have come through here. 
they got the best guy that they could possibly get in this situation. Um, he's got, he, he spent the last 11 years of his career in the NFL with the Browns. He spent seven years with the Cowboys and he coached DeMarco Murray and Ezekiel Elliott. Both those guys were NFL rushing champions in different years. I think Dallas never ran for worse than four and a half yards per carry in all of the seven years there. So it's a big, big deal. And it is interesting when you look at what Paul Christ has been able to do to shape this staff. We talk quite often about the fact that there's a lot of Wisconsin guys. They know the program. They can sell that in recruiting. They played here. But I think very slowly he started to get a lot of quality guys that didn't have ties here. And, and Brown certainly fits in. But the other guy that comes to mind immediately is Alvis Witted, someone who was a wide receivers coach with the Packers. So they've got legitimate NFL guys coaching who know how to get these guys ready and get them to the next level. And the players all expressed a lot of enthusiasm for what Brown has been able to do. They talked about how he's been breaking down things. It sort of sounded like what the quarterbacks discussed and what Paul Christ was teaching them. But the, the why you're doing things, why are you blocking in this particular way? How does it relate to the overall offensive strategy for this play or this scheme? I think it's going to make the running back smarter. But he acknowledged he's glad the season doesn't start next week because they have their work cut out for them. And he, he officially was announced as the running back coach March 25th. They started spring practice five days later. So it's not like he's had a ton of opportunity to be around these guys, to learn them. Um, so there's a lot of molding to do, which is what he wants to do. That was another interesting thing that, that he said that was one of my takeaways is when you're in the NFL, and I hadn't really thought about this, but you get a rookie, then they sign a long-term contract. Once you've taught them stuff, that's pretty much it. They know what the expectations are. Whereas college guys, are, you're regularly rotating through new high school players. It takes them a few years to get acclimated. And he, he, caught, he compared all these guys to Clay because he wants to mold them uh, basically from the ground up in ways that he couldn't always do in the NFL but he has a lot of molding to do with this group. Do you think he's a long-term option at Wisconsin? That's really hard to say because we've only, you know, talked to him once and I don't know what his end game would be. Is it to get back to the NFL? There is something to be said for happiness and job stability. It's part of why we've seen Jim Leonard stay at Wisconsin. Um, you know, if you're the running backs coach at Wisconsin and you do a reasonably good job, this is a place where you can be at for a long time. So Again, it's very difficult to know from having talked to him once, but he's certainly excited about being here, and I, I, I'm interested to see what he can do with this group long-term if he does decide to be there for, for that long. All right. A little sold or not sold here, Jesse. Sold or not sold, one of the three running backs that come in this fall will get the second most carries this fall. Oh, the second most carries. Obviously, I believe Jalen Berger will get the most carries, but behind him, you know, with the injury concerns, both with Julius Davis and with Isaac Garendo, there seems like it, there's a possibility for an opportunity for somebody to step into those. That's too bold of a prediction for me to make right now. So I'm going to say not sold. If you had asked me, one of the three freshmen will emerge in the regular rotation. I would say sold. I genuinely feel like based on what we've seen in the injury history with some of those guys, one of those three is going to have a great opportunity if he can do something in that one month of, of fall camp. There's just not enough consistency, not enough healthy guys in the running back room right now for me to have confidence that either Isaac Arendo or Julius Davis is going to consistently be the number two guy. And if it's then it's is it between Brady Shipper and one of those three freshmen? Um, I don't know. I think one of those freshmen is going to get a chance, but I'm not ready to say right now they're going to be the second leading rusher. You just wish you could get Garendo and Davis healthy and get them on the field and see and see what they've got. Because Garendo dropped it. He dropped it into gear 
uh, on the on that play we, you mentioned where he came up limping. He dropped into gear, got around the corner, and it's like burst through the hole. It looked really, really good until he came up limping. So, and I feel like that's kind of just been his career at this point. Um, you know, we see flashes, but it just hasn't been able to consistently do it. We've seen one carry from Julius Davis, but we see we also saw what we saw in high school, and you just wish you could get some of the uh, some of those opportunities in college. And both of them have this new brand brand new start with a running backs coach that has no preconceived notions of you coming in. And, um, you know, it's unfortunate that they're certainly dealing with injuries still. Right. Uh, and that's, what's tough with, with Julius Davis too, is we have literally not seen a single practice carry from him in his entire career. So he had the core situation as a true freshman. And obviously they, they close practice, you know, mid, mid August. And so, I know when John Settle was talking about he had been doing some work later, I think <laughs> it's all a blur. Now we didn't see anything in 2020 and he's been hurt in spring practice here. So I just don't know what he's going to look like as a college running back. And the only thing I have to go on is what he did three or four years ago. Can we agree that Danny Davis, Kendrick Pryor and Chimray Dickey are the top three wide receivers? I believe so. Yes. And we haven't okay. even talked about Danny Davis yet because he was one of the, one of the important stories from practice Saturday, just because he was healthy and he, he caught, he caught a long pass from, from Graham Mertz and caught a, another touchdown pass in red zone, red zone drills. And when he's healthy, he's obviously a difference maker. And same thing with Kendrick Pryor. I do think DK is that third guy. And then it's a question of does AJ Abbott make the jump and, and get in there. I mean, Jack Dunn is still there. He played a ton last year, but that was because some of the other guys weren't available. I think that's probably your top five, but the top five at Wisconsin isn't like being number four to me, isn't that big of a, a thing because you're not going to get a bunch of targets given how Wisconsin distributes the ball. Right. But they do rotate those guys in quite a bit, or at least they have, but my, my soul, they're not sold is going to be AJ Abbott among the wide receivers will have the fourth most catches. I mean, I, I, I mean, I, I again, I feel like they're set at that top three and, and Chimray is working himself back from an injury and Kedrick Pryor is certainly not full go yet. Danny Davis, he didn't drop out of practice early, but he took off the pads early uh, on Tuesday. So AJ Abbott sold or not sold on that. I'll be sold. I realize that's not really going out on a limb being the fourth guy, but I mean, he's been the most consistent guy. The one that has stood out the most, it helps to be healthy. And like you said, we've seen him look good in spring practice before, but it just feels different this time around. So I think this is, this is the time they need him to step up. Uh, the, the wild card for me is, can a true freshman come in like Marcus Allen and take some of those reps away? It doesn't happen often, but Danny Davis came in as a true freshman and contributed. And I think Marcus is that type of guy, the, the big play guy. Um, so he's my wild card and the, the, the X factor in this wide receiver group that obviously isn't even on campus yet. <laughs> yes. But are there enough, if all those guys, those top three guys stay healthy, are there enough balls to go around to make it worthwhile with Marcus? Well, worthwhile is I guess it depends on what your definition is I mean he could play in up to four games and if he does something more than then you keep him out there I don't know I just I guess if all those three guys are healthy there probably isn't but if he's on another level and he's too good to keep off the field that that's different I mean that's asking a lot out of him and we're not even anywhere close to that but uh as of now I, I think AJ Abbott is going to get his chances and he got more opportunities late in the season, right? With, with everybody else down, he wound up playing about a hundred snaps. He caught a couple of passes. So I thought that was good experience for him. And he's clearly taken that and, and 
seems to have improved a lot from what we've seen this spring. A couple of guys that were coming back from injury last season, Matt Henningsen, Caden Lyles, they've taken part in everything to this point. Again, offensive line play, very, very difficult, and defensive line play, very, very difficult to judge based on two practices. But it, it feels like both of those guys are picked up where they left off when they got hurt. Yeah, I thought it was interesting talking to Caden. I, I didn't know this, but he, he, I mean, so he suffered an injury last year, and he said it was um, a similar, almost identical injury to what he had when he was a high school junior. And because of that, it healed quicker. He was only out something like three weeks. So he didn't miss all that much time in terms of offseason development, which has been an issue for him in staying healthy the past couple of years. That's encouraging if you're a Badgers fan to, to see him at center. Uh, one question that I've, I've been thinking about this too is, there's one scholarship offensive lineman that we haven't seen because he's still recovering from his, the right arm injury he was dealing with last year, and that's Joe Tipman. And I wonder where he would be slotted in if healthy. I thought he would be in the two deep at one of the guards, and they've got Cormac Sampson at the at the backup left guard spot, and Tanner Bordellini is the backup center, although I know they moved Bordellini around in practice too. Like if, if Tipman is healthy, does Cormac go back to center, and is he the backup center? And then does that knock Bordellini down? I realize we're getting in the weeds there, but um, that's one thing that I've been thinking about on the O-line. But to, to answer your question, it's it's kind of hard to see and, and say what guys on the O-line and D-line have been doing in practice so far. It feels like one of the position battles that is kind of like, it's, it's under the radar because who knows how often we're actually going to see these guys. But when you have Jack Sanborn and you have Leo Chanel as your inside linebackers, they're Bob Bostad wants to play three guys, but he didn't last year. It was just those two guys pretty much every time, uh, the entire time. Has a third guy emerged at that spot? Mike, Mike Mascaloon is not practicing right now, so he is the guy that had been in that spot. But has, has a third guy emerged at all here in, in these first two practices to, to stand out to you at all? I think I think one guy that is an interesting one is Muma Namjeta. Yeah. Uh, Muma Jongmeta? There you go. <laughs> um yeah, I would have said Muma Jongmeta. And again, haven't seen a ton of big plays, but he's sort of naturally been next in line. He's, he's someone who's, this is his third year in the program. He's got a lot of athleticism and upside. The guy didn't even play football until he was a freshman in high school and was just a tackle machine the last couple of years and at his school in Illinois, which was coincidentally the same school that Mike Mascalunas went to. But I think he could be that guy. But again, Sanborn and Chanel are going to get almost all the snaps at inside linebacker. They got collectively, they were the, they had the most snaps played of anybody on defense last season for Wisconsin. I don't really expect that to change unless you feel like you want to get them a breather every now and then it's just hard to take guys that good off the field, but it's, it is who could be the third guy. And I don't know if there is a fourth guy. So if Mascalunas is healthy, maybe he's the backup at both spots like he was last season, but John Meta is, is one that jumps out to me that, that could take the leap. And if it's not this year, it's, it's going to be next year. All right. So we've seen two practices. We're going to uh, hopefully get to see a few more, assuming the weather holds up. What are you going to be watching? Well, I'd like to see if any of these guys who've been out can come back. It would be great if we could see some of these running backs. I, I don't think we're going to see much of Garendo just based on the hamstring situation, but can we see more of Jalen Berger or Julius Davis? Um, Berger was practicing on Saturday and then got hurt during that practice. And it's, it's probably the same for a lot of those spots. There are a ton of cornerbacks who have been out. Fayon Hicks. We haven't seen a ton of, he, he was he had dealing with both legs 
that's the the word on the injury situation. Um, Samar Melvin's been out. Um, Deron Harrell's been out. So we've seen like Dean Ingram is playing a lot of the slot corner role. Alex Smith has played some, but Alex Smith is getting run with the first team uh, with Caesar Williams and and Leonard's obviously using a lot of different combinations. But I want to know what it looks like when you've got more healthy guys. And I the other thing that is always fun about spring practice is which of these young guys are going to continue to stand out. The more practices we see, the more opportunities they're going to get to show their stuff. That's definitely the case. And uh, we will get to see a few more and then we'll come back and we'll uh, break down exactly what we've seen next time. Jesse, thank you very much. Thanks, Zach. All right. There he is. Jesse Temple from the athletic. You've been listening to the camp here, on the Wisconsin sports zone radio network.